I'm sitting here in William Whitley Park outside of Crab Orchard, Kentucky. I come over here often and make videos for my YouTube channel, and I've done that today. Uh, you can find it there on my channel, uh, Voices in the Garden. But I didn't come here to advertise that. Um, I'm sitting here reflecting on why I do videos or, or even talk like I'm talking to you now. There's a part of me that is like everyone else. I want to be known. I want to be loved and appreciated. I want others to know me as I really am. And that's a bit of a conundrum because my self-knowledge is pretty limited. Uh, you would think that would not be the case considering how much I analyze uh, myself as well as just about everything I come into contact with. My mind is always working, um, often to the point of confusion or tiredness. I have insomnia from time to time because I can't shut it down. Whether it's a bird flying over that I see now or the strong, gentle, strong and gentle, that's a conundrum as well, strong and gentle breeze, pleasant breeze. It's, it's blowing through the trees and on my back and lifting the uh, cover of my Bible into the air. Such a pleasant day, about 80 degrees somewhere around 30 degrees Celsius, if that's where you live and that's how you measure things. I'm a spiritual person, uh, deeply spiritual, I would say. That should not be confused with profoundly moral or ethical. I have a great interest in spiritual things and I want to be a good person. Uh, when I say spiritual things, I mean Christianity. Uh, to me, that is the supreme revelation of God and cannot be competed with by other idolatrous forms of spirituality. Having said that, there is truth throughout the world and you can find it in the strangest places. The eminent and late Catholic priest, Fulton Sheen, who was very media savvy, had his own television program, said that divinity is where you least expect to find it. That's in his book on the life of Christ. And he was commenting on Christ being born in a manger and the nature of incarnation revealed in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God revealed in the burning bush or a cloud hovering over Israel or a fiery pillar born in a manger 
living incarnate among us. God hiding himself in the flesh that his glory might be revealed. Isaiah 45:15 says, Surely you are God who hides himself. It's a favorite text of Martin Luther's in his Theology of the Cross, which teaches the hiddenness of God. That God is hidden in suffering and revealed in suffering. And the greatest place of suffering for God and man is Calvary. Where Christ was shrouded in darkness in his deepest suffering. And yet we see there the character of God revealed in ways like none other. Because there was no greater suffering for God in the flesh than at Calvary. He had suffered temptation all of his life. Mockery and humiliation as well. Rejection loneliness, those painful things that human beings inflict upon one another. But at Calvary he suffered the wrath of God. He propitiated the wrath of God. Scripture says that in several places. You can look up the word propitiation. Some versions try to expunge that uh, in favor of another word expiation or something like it. Both apply to Calvary. He expiated the guilt of man, but he also propitiated the wrath of God. I'm thankful, by the way, for the wrath of God. Uh, Not because I want to endure it. Not because I could endure it. Not because I want to suffer. But because God's wrath is deliverance from sin. In God's wrath, He will cleanse this earth. He will cleanse the universe of sin. The author of murder and lies, the devil, and all of those who have chosen Him. And for that, I'm thankful that God hates sin and yet loves the sinner that he found a way to justify the ungodly. I tell you these things because they are true. The truth has mattered to me since I was a little boy. I believe that's the result of many prayers offered for me before my birth and afterwards. Another reality exists with me and it's one that I haven't shared much. Oh, I've shared highlights. I've mentioned my drug addictions and uh, perhaps even my what is commonly called a nervous breakdown, clinical depressions. But there's much that I've not shared with others about the general degradation of my life, the immorality, the compromise, the utter selfishness, self-centeredness. I suppose my three wives, uh, I had them in succession, not simultaneously, have known me at my worst. I would like to say they knew me at my best, but I'm not confident of that. I'm not sure what my best is, really. 
I'm not even sure what my worst is, but they've seen some pretty bad aspects of Jan McKenzie. My first, second, third. Rhonda, Rosemary, and Sharon. I think they know me better in some respects than my parents or even my siblings because they lived with me day in and day out. Uh, I think I was with Rhonda close to six years. Rosemary about four and 15 with Sharon. Sharon, she got the full brunt of me. I don't speak of brunt in the sense of violence. I, I always say that because your mind may go there. I, I never was physically abusive uh, to any of my wives, although Rhonda and I did have a couple altercations. Uh, we did not beat each other, but we slapped each other and wrestled around once or twice. Nothing to be proud of there. I've hurt my children. I abandoned them when I left their mother. And uh, they have suffered for it ever since in ways they probably know more profoundly than I do in terms of their feelings. But in ways perhaps they don't understand because of their beliefs or unbeliefs. When I make videos, or before I make them, these things often press in on me, even making a recording like this. There's a voice that says, who are you to speak of anything good, of anything holy? And there is some truth there. I am a great sinner, and I offer that as evidence of God's great grace why he would suffer so long and patiently with me. It's an evidence of his character, not of my worth. I believe I am worth something. He would not have died for me. He would not be patient and suffer with me for so long if I had no value, if I had no opportunities to be restored to that image in which he created us as human beings that he, create, he treats me with respect and dignity, even though I do not deserve it. I see that in the character of Jesus in the Gospels, how he treated others and how he has treated me. There are chapters in my life, chapters, paragraphs, sentences in my story that don't bear repeating. I don't want to bring darkness into your life. And I'm not going to repeat them simply to share, to satisfy someone's idle curiosity. I only mention this aspect of my life 
again, uh, to repeat again, that God loves us. He loves me. He loves you. He doesn't love my sin. He doesn't love the way I have hurt other people. The lousy father, the lousy husband that I've been. I have some understanding of who I am and how I came to be that way through my childhood. And Any explanation I give, you might say, oh, he's blaming others. Reality is we all share our stories. Every child has a parent. If you're called a parent, that means you had a child. And we've all failed in love. There are no perfect parents. Some are better than others, but there are no perfect parents. And there are no perfect children. That means what it means to be imperfect. It means we've missed the mark of love in some way. We have violated love. Some have done so violently and abusively. So distorting others around them, including their children, that love has become an impossible reality, an impossible concept in the life of those who've been traumatized. Yet there's hope in Christ. There's hope for change, that thing that stresses us so much, change. There's hope for transformation. There's hope for new life in Him in knowing Him, believing in Him, trusting Him, drinking in His Word, eating the bread of life, drinking the water of life, living in the light of life, all of these metaphors of Jesus. I have known His love and experienced it in deep and profound ways. I've also run from Him, hidden, given in to my shame, my guilt. As he called me to himself, and I I was afraid to walk in the light because I still wanted to indulge myself. I'm sitting here in the most beautiful day, in the shade, looking out on the hills and the tall trees waving in the wind hearing even the rustling of the pages of my Bible. The grass is so green. Not all of the trees have leafed out, but many have. I have so much life to be thankful for. I've been given so much. And I do appreciate Him. It is the gift of God in Christ as our Creator and Redeemer that evokes these feelings of worship and praise for Him. To honor Him. Well, somebody was just calling me and I declined. One of my Amish friends, that was what that sound was. They know that I don't work on Sabbath, but sometimes they forget. Well, I think I'll call that an end to this little 
talk with myself and talk with you. Uh, I get things on my mind, and whether they're worth sharing or not, I'm still not sure. Uh, yeah, reply. Let me know what you think. I'm not looking for any encouragement. I'm not discouraged. But any thoughts you have, any identification you can make, anything that touches a chord in your life, or perhaps you say, hey, I see something in you that you don't see. Now, I'm not talking about good things necessarily. Uh, we would love to hear that. People tell us how good we are. I have some habits and behaviors still that I cringe. I cringe at night when I look back on the day. Words I've said. And I'm not talking about anger or any falling apart, but just stupid, dumb, self-centered things that come out of my mouth. Things that would misrepresent the character of God, Christ. I have only one hope, that's His mercy, His forgiveness, His patience, His sanctifying truth. That's my hope. He is my hope, and I recommend Him to you. <laughs>